Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to be talking about the Dark Crystal movie from 1982. Why are we talking about this movie? It has nothing to do with uh, George Lucas or Star Wars, uh, but the story itself is pretty Star Wars. And Mm -hmm. just like with Willow... We're really, like, living for this 80s vibe right now. Yeah, the 80s, like, medieval, um, like, that era, that feel, that Princess Bride, like, kind of feel. Um, We're going for that recently. Yeah, that's kind of our sweet spot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A lot of happily ever after because we need to fill that gap in our heart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's I feel like that's exactly what it is. It's it's the happily it's, ever after. It's the eighties just love to do that, so they're gonna fill our little gap from Charles. Yeah. Well, cause like look, like, you know, sometimes it's nice to just put a, a little bow on the end of something and be like, look at that. It's a fun little mm-hmm. adventure. Everybody's happy, right off into the sunset. It's what you need sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to support the show, uh, we do have a coffee account. You can donate to it on there. We also have a shop with wonderful designs made by our very own Alex Leonis. Um, as far as wrecks go, not a whole lot going on other than, um, did anybody catch episode eight of WandaVision? Because Alex and I have spent, like, all day crying. <laughs> yeah, we're recording on Friday, so we watched it, like, I watched it, like, 7 a.m. You watched yep. early. <laughs> Um, I spent, like, half of my work day just, like, trying to work through tears, trying to be productive over my grief. Oh, man. Like, no spoilers, and, like, we're we're planning on doing, like, actually covering WandaVision. Um, I don't know how many episodes we're gonna cover it in. We'll see. (laughs) Um, but, oh, man. Like, I love the show and I like loved it up until this point but episode eight blew me away like it it could be like one of my favorite just like single episodes of tv ever yeah no I completely I completely agree with you like I we wanted to talk about WandaVision before like we were waiting for the show to end um but I feel like episode eight really solidified that just it hits so many things that are, like, exactly what we yeah, look for. it is... This the show is so my brand. Yeah. Like, I mean, I knew, like, the whole, like, sitcom thing was my brand. And it being really cute and, like, romantic was my thing. And then... The grief. The pain. Like... And that's my, my jam. Yeah, like, the <laughs> angst. Angry. Like, no, 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 like... It is both of our jams. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> I, like, I want to be broken and put back together. But see, like, that's the key. Like, I do want to be put back together. Please stick the landing, <laughs> WandaVision. <laughs> We've been burned before. Yeah. But, like, and and I was just, I actually went back and I rewatched a little bit of the first episode today after seeing episode eight. Just to <laughs> as, see as how. As she said, loves pain. I love pain. So, like. How that hit after seeing episode eight was insane, and it just it hit so different. Yeah. So I mean, y'all, if you're not watching Wandavision, um, what's wrong with you? I'm pretty sure everybody on this planet is watching Wandavision right now. Um, but we will be covering that um, once the series wraps up. Not quite sure how we're going to divide it up, but um, I am very excited to 
talk about this. But transitioning into the news, I want to start here because it kind of ties in with sticking the landing. Um, So we got the trailer for Shadow and Bone on Netflix today. And I included this here because here's the thing about Shadow and Bone and Lee Bardugo. Um, Lee Bardugo (laughs) is very likely an anti-Raylo. And it's weird because there's a big ship in this series that is so Raylo, but it's not Endgame. And I want to say now, this show looks amazing. I'm going to watch it because Ben Barnes and the cast all looks great. But to anybody new to Shadow and Bone, do not read the books. Just don't do it. it you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Just don't do I'm it. I'm not planning on reading them. I know about enough about the books to know they're not for me. Yes. Yes. But I will watch the show. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm glad I'm going into the show knowing that I will probably dis- be disappointed by the ship. Um, I'm not going to expect them to change it. If they do, then I'll be surprised. Yeah, I I feel like it's it's sad because they really are baiting um, the enemies to lovers ship. And I mean, I guess this is a spoiler, but that is not the way that the books go. Um, and short of them cutting the actual love interest altogether, which they didn't do, I would be surprised if it doesn't go the way of the books. I'm hoping that things will be different. I mean, like, the Six of Crows cast is going to be in it, which is already different, so maybe. And I mean, it's Ben Barnes. You can't, I'm sorry, like, you can't give us Ben Barnes and then say you're not allowed to love him. Like, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and like, what's getting me really excited with this series is how excited the cast is. Yeah. Like, Ben Barnes is, like, so excited. The way he tweets about the show when he shares, like, new posters or new um, trailers, like, he's, like, so giddy about it. And, like, and for, like, an actor who's been, like, acting for a while and he's been in, like, some pretty, like, big things, like, to see him, like, get excited over this, like, just makes me really excited about it. And I think that it'll be, like, he was in Westworld. Like, Westworld was a huge hit, huge budget, like, for him to be also doing this project now, like, I think it says a lot about the production of it. I don't know. I mean, I think so, too. And, like, it looks like they put a lot of care and effort into it. Like, like the visuals and everything, it looks stunning. And that's really where this series shines. It is the world. It is the magic system. It's the background stuff more so than, like, the main cast of characters. I'm, I'm interested like, I, like, we're both going to watch this. We're both going in <laughs> expecting to be disappointed. Um, so I just, I wanted to include this for any Raylos yeah. out there. Like, listen, it's it's going to be a pretty show, but mm-hmm. it's probably not going to um, help, like, emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, like, by the time this comes out, we'll be in March, and it'll be coming out next month. Yes, it'll be out in April. We got a lot of um, release day news this past week. Yeah, well, I think there was something going on, like some, like, event where people were um, showcasing different projects. And so we have um, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out very soon this month, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be out um, not too long after WandaVision wraps up. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have that, and and then we're going to have Loki in June? Yes, our summer baby. 
Our summer baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to have uh, Shadow and Bone in April. Oh, and Bad Batch on May 4th. Yes. Yeah, I had that on here, Bad Batch May 4th, which I'm mm-hmm. still, still kind of like, okay, sure. Yeah, we're going to watch it. We're going to watch it for yeah. sure. Listen, I just, I'm I'm here for Technic. The tech. Technic. <laughs> technic. <laughs> we are like, here for Tech. You know. We are like, like, well, what if we like became tech stands? Just like for the are hell of it. Are we not already tech stands? Like, I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, if we went like really hard and like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, like this is a hundred percent a a tech stan zone. I would say. <laughs> no, you know what? Alex messaged me this morning. We are officially MCU stands. We are rebranding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Wandavision is like one of my favorite things ever. So yeah, yeah. I'm and an I, I do want to say, like, back to Wandavision. Um. I really love the weekly thing with WandaVision too yeah. because it's so much fun to experience with people online. Like, well, Mando was like that too. And like I know we yeah. had like a harder time settling into season two, but with season one, like I love the week thing too. Yeah, it's just fun because like everybody is like at the same spots. Like you don't have people who like binge the whole thing and then like spoil it all. Imagine if it wasn't weekly, we wouldn't have had that entire week when everyone was just thirsting over Cobb Vanth. <laughs> if, if, if they just, like, dropped all the episodes at once, yeah, no one nobody would be talking would have paid about attention. Cobb Vanth. Yeah. And he deserves all the love. De- oh, God. I swear to God, if Cobb Vanth, if that was the only thing we see him in, what a missed opportunity. <laughs> Star Wars. I think he'll be, he'll be on in the book of Boba Fett, I think. He, listen... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go on this tangent. No, this is about to turn into lipstick and lightsabers after dark. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, other good news. Um, we do have confirmation that Ryan Johnson trilogy is still happening. Um, there mm-hmm. was a person who got to sit down and talk to Ryan Johnson and Daisy Ridley. She's been tweeting out a lot of stuff. Um, but he did confirm that his trilogy is still happening. Um, Ryan is just a busy man, but that does make me happy. <laughs> yeah, yay! Something to be um, excited for. Like, you know, like, Star Wars is still releasing things, obviously, and we're big book fans, and, and Del Rey, like, is on top of putting out content for us. But um, in terms of, like, TV and movies, it, it's nice to know that, like, even if we go on our little MCU break... <laughs> we'll, we'll always like we'll always come back to Star Wars, especially with Ryan like in the fold. Yeah, it's it's good to know that there's like still stuff coming out that we're really interested in. Like, I mean, we're really interested in like the Cassian show is going to be good. Um, Acolyte seems interesting as long as it's not about that one certain person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that stuff is down the road, and we have no other information about Ryan Johnson's trilogy, but it's it's good to know that that's still happening because, I mean, I think I can speak for a lot of people. Like, he made new Star Wars fans of a lot of people. Like, as much as people like to say that they hate him and he ruined Star Wars, like, he really changed the game when it came to their storytelling. Other storytelling, though, is that um, we found out that there is going to be another Padme book by E.K. Johnston coming our way. I forgot about this. And we, like, we <sighs> salted about this in a group chat, but um, I forgot. 
WandaVision <laughs> took over my entire life that I forgot about this. I mean, it's completely forgettable. But I mean, how could you forget? She wanted to call it Queen's Gambit, but couldn't because, because of the, of the highly TV popular show. Netflix show. <laughs> but it was, the book was called that first, wasn't it? The Queen's Gambit book that the show was based off of. I have no idea. I, I wonder if she was just saying that. But it's called Queen's Hope, which... <laughs> Here's the thing that makes me mad, is that this is a book that's going to take place after her and Anakin are already married, and it is very clear that E.K. Johnston is like an anti-Annie Dalla. Um, she said in an interview that writing Anakin is kind of a drag. So yeah. I'm like, what is Padme's hope? Like, Anakin's supposed to be her hope. She dies still believing in him. Yeah, I don't really want to own this book. I don't really either. But I might take it up from the library because curiosity kills the cat. Because I just need to know. Last time I got it on um, NetGalley. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah. Got it early. So mm-hmm. I would be excited for that because I don't really want to. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe it's not going to be awful, but I just, I don't know. Like, I still stand by the fact that, like, and I, uh, we talked about it. Like, Queen's Shadow as a book is not, like, bad. No, we, it's not we have an episode best, about it. But, we, yeah. I, I think I gave it a four on five on, yeah. on, on my Goodreads. Like, except for the last, like, section of the book. It's pretty great. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, like, was it what everybody wanted out of a Pad Bay book? No. No. But I think it was fun for what it was. It wasn't really until the second book with the Queen's Peril that everything just fell apart. That book didn't make mm-hmm. any sense at all. And I'm just really nervous about her writing um, Padme and Anakin. She, I mean, she's expressed that she thought Padme should have killed Anakin in the end. And I just, I don't, I don't really jive with that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, that will be coming out in November. The good news is, is that hopefully this is just going to be like a Padme trilogy book thing for her so maybe once it's done somebody else will get to write Padme um but we'll just have to kind of wait and see for that the last bit of news is more of a rumor um but the actor who played Aladdin in the live action Aladdin um Mena Masood will play Ezra in the Ahsoka show he's Canadian is he Canadian Mm -hmm. that's adorable he's adorable I love him (laughs) Yeah, I think he would be good. I, like, here's the thing. Like, how, how do I feel about the Ahsoka show? That's 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 a different um Yeah, that's a whole story. different topic. But uh, <laughs> Ben and Masu playing Ezra sounds like a good idea to me. But, yeah. <laughs> I want, um, <laughs> imagine him romancing, like, a live-action Thrawn. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, they disappeared together. Who knows what happened? <laughs> That's true. Enemies to lovers. Enemies to lovers. <laughs> Listen, I am I on the hot Thrawn train? No. Is Thrawn hot in the new books? Yeah. I mean, you saw the cover. <laughs> so. Listen, I am like such an enemies to lovers shipper, but I think Ezra can do better. I mean, of course he can. Like, of <laughs> course he... Look at him. Do you see him? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think a depressed person no, could I make him? 
Yeah. But I mean, like you said, like Hawthorne exists, but I just, yeah, Ezra is a good boy, and, and I think that he could do better. Listen, I acknowledge that Hawthorne exists, and at the same time, in the book that Hawthorne exists in, I ship no one with Thrawn because they can yeah. all do better than Thrawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, everybody is a lesbian in those books, as far as I am concerned. Uh, But yeah, neither one of us are super excited for the Ahsoka show. We'll kind of have to see a little bit more about it. Um, But we do like Minna. If you haven't seen the live-action Aladdin, what's wrong with you? It's great. He's adorable. He's adorable as Aladdin. Jam jams. Jam jams. So cute. Yeah. So adorable. Okay, but with that, I think it is time for us to move into The Dark Crystal, uh, which came out in 1982. This was directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. And Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit about our history with The Dark Crystal? Yeah, so it came out, like in like you said, 1982, so that was a year before Return of the Jedi. At this point, the Muppets were already on TV, and and recently, the the original Muppets show just got added on on Disney+. So that has been on air since um, 76, I believe, or 77. So at that point, like, Jim Henson has made a name for himself, and and he's worked on, like, Empire, right? With, like, the Yoda stuff, and Frank Oz, obviously, voiced Yoda. So then... Uh, Jim Henson, like, started making his own movies. So that's how we get here. That is how we get here. Yeah, this was actually um, kind of an interesting journey for Henson. Like, he wrote all of this down when he was snowed in at an airport in a hotel. And Mm. my favorite thing about, like... My favorite thing about, like, what this is, Frank Oz described um, Henson's intention with the Dark Crystal as wanting to get back to the darkness of the original Grimm's fairy tales and believed that it was unhealthy for children to never be afraid. (laughs) And, like, that's just so funny to me. Because, like, listen, this movie was came out, it was four kids in the 80s. Um, a lot of people said it was too dark, which I think, you know, as mm-hmm. we talked about um, with Willow, and we kind of talked a little bit about the Black Cauldron, that was also considered too dark. Um, this movie is scary. <laughs> but, like, you get, thir- you get further into the 80s, and the, the, the kids' movies, like, the family movies do tend to, like, be like this. Like, kind of scary. Yes. Yeah. And, like, the, the creature design, like, is, like, kind of unsettling. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that that was his, like, intention. Like, this isn't, like, a scary movie in that it's, like, a horror, like, scary film. It's just that the visuals are very unsettling. And it yeah. does kind of have, like, a darker, deeper, more complex story. And it's kind of interesting that Jen Henson was like, you know what? Like, this is a story I want to tell. I want to tell it with puppets. And this is going to be my kid's movie. <laughs> What's cool about this is that the animatronics used in the film... Um, were groundbreaking for the time. Um, a lot of the puppets uh, required four puppeteers to actually, like, be able to move. Um, for the TV show that came out on Netflix a couple of years ago, there is a documentary where they kind of talk a little bit more about that. But before it was released, The Dark Crystal 
um, was the first live action film without any human beings on screen and a showcase for cutting edge animatronics. But I mean, there were human beings. Not on screen. But like, what about all the scenes where, um, like, you know, like they cut away so that you, um, you see Jen like running and Mm -hmm. it's clearly like a human in like a costume and they like scale things. So it looks like it's like puppet size. Mm -hmm. That's a human. I mean, true. But like, it it was all like puppeteering though, I think is what they're, they're kind of getting at here. Which I think is really interesting because, like, nowadays, you know, our live-action CGI stuff is, like, well, how live-action can you be if it's still kind of similar, kind of animated, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this was literally just all puppetry and yeah. sets and, you know, it's things so, moving like, around. It's so, touchable. Like, tangible. <laughs> like, you can just... I And I don't want to be, like, that J.J. Abrams guy that it was, like, we did practical effects and like <laughs> be like high up on my pedestal that like I don't like animation because I, I love animation I think I mean obviously and, and like the whole like we married the two like yeah like of course like that's it's it's great when you guys can like make it look like that but it's just it's everything is so touchable do you want to discover the texture yeah it's like <laughs> I don't want to find out what the texture of CG Luke is. But no. I do want to touch, like, like the moss and, like, all the, like, set stuff in in uh, Dark Crystal. I mean, I think it's really interesting that, like, it, it's such a high fantasy look, and they do achieve it through, like, just puppets. Like, there are no people on the screen that exists in a world without humans and there's no CG. Like with Star Wars, you know, like that does exist in like a galaxy far, far away. It's like very like fantastical, but there are still like people along with the mm-hmm. puppets. And like this is just straight puppets, which is, I mean, that's kind of a crazy yeah. concept. Like, and I mean, as we've kind of seen with the show, which we'll talk about the show later, um, it's an, it's a very expensive thing to do as well. Um, I also pulled here that the um, concept artist was an illustrator named Brian Froud. Yeah, um, Brian Froud. Yeah, he was famous for his um, fairy and dwarf designs, and he collaborated with Henson mm-hmm. for um, the 1986 film Labyrinth, which we also might tap into because you got to talk about um, David Bowie's area. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking oh, about like, the 80s. The <laughs> I mean, sure. (laughs) Um, But the labyrinth also kind of falls under this same genre with, like, the darkness and the happy endings and the the enemies to lovers, villain-loving kind of thing. We can connect that to WandaVision. How can we do that? Do you know? Paul Bettany and Jennifer are married. Wait, that's who he's married to? Yeah. (gasps) I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. See, look, it comes full circle. Like, we only need, like, the <laughs> smallest of connections to talk there about we go. something. It's there like, we go. Um, it's like you watched my Big Fat Greek wedding recently, and it's like when, when, the, <laughs> when the dad is explaining things, and it's like how it's connected to Greeks, and then he just says, there you go. <laughs> there you go. 
I love it. She gives him, like, I can't remember what word she gives him. And he's, like, totally just pulling stuff out of the air. It's like, see? <laughs> Greek. There you go. <laughs> See, WandaVision. There you WandaVision. go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay, so kind of getting a little bit more into the plot of the Dark Crystal. I would say when it comes to the film, there's a lot happening and there's also like a not a lot happening. Like, d- does that feel like what's oh, like, does that, yeah. that what it feels like to you? It's so confusing. It is like. <laughs> So confusing, but also so simple. Yeah, it's like it's the uh, lore. It, it is it's like the lore. the The world building and the lore is a lot to fit yes. in to this movie, and there's no like intro to it. You're just no, you're just sucked in. It. in. It's that's why it's confusing. It's because you're sucked into this dark crystal world, into thrall. Like you're you're sucked in, and you're you're explain nothing. And what's crazy is I I have seen Dark Crystal before and before I watched TV show. I don't remember being this confused. Like <laughs> I I definitely rewatched the Dark Crystal movie a few weeks before the show came out because I was excited for the show. Mm-hmm. And I remember really latching onto the Raylo of it all because that was before the Rise of Skywalker too. <laughs> So I was, like, latching onto it and being, like, they're going to do Dark Crystal for The Rise of Skywalker. You'll see. And, like, for me, like, it it felt very easy to follow. But now after seeing the show, watching the movie, it's, like, I would I, under, would I be able to follow this without everything I know from the show now? Like, I have so much more backstory that it is explaining things that, like, I wouldn't have caught on to before. See, and, like, in that way, it does kind of remind me of Star Wars. Like, when I watched A New Hope for the first time, like, I kind of knew the background stuff going on. I had seen, you know, The Force Awakens and that kind of stuff. But, like, watching it and, like, knowing all of the other moving parts and, like, once you kind of know the Mm -hmm. lore, like, it adds another layer, like, another experience, like, when you're watching. And I think that's what happens with the dark crystal because like on the surface it's just a story about a gelfling named jen who is the chosen one yeah it's it is a luke skywalker hero's journey yeah i mean he's like a farm he's literally farm boy he is, like he they're is, very similar and, and then um our other character i find is very leia yeah kira is very leia mm-hmm. Um, and like, he's just, he's charged with restoring the crystal. It's going to save their world. And it's, it is pretty like straightforward. And then you like add all this lore onto it and you kind of see that there's a ton going on. So I, I pulled up the plot on Wikipedia to kind of like settle into what's happening. And it says a millennium ago on the planet Thra, two new races appeared when a shard was shattered from the crystal of truth. The malevolent Skeksis, who continued the corruption of the crystal to extend their lives, which ravaged Thra, and the gentle mystics um, who made their home in the Valley of Stones to await their destiny. The leader of the mystics raised a young Gelfling named Jen because all of the Gelflings were massacred. They were massacred yeah. because the Skeksis didn't want them to rise up and take over mm-hmm. because of the prophecy. Um, we find out that there is one other Gelfling who was raised by podlings, and that's Kira. 
Um, but Jen is charged um, with... Jen is instructed by his master that there is going to be a great conjunction um, where the Thra's three stars are going to align, and he has to fulfill the... Cro- he has to fulfill the prophecy to heal the crystal by retrieving the missing shard. Um, and as this master passes away, we see that one of the Skeksis passes away as well, which kind of adds this other layer mm-hmm. onto the story. I think you mentioned this, that it is a little bit vague in the story that the connection between the Skeksis and the mystics. Yeah, it, it is like, I, I think without the TV show context, it is very vague that they're connected. I don't. I don't think visually they they do a very good job in the film of showing that connection when they're passing at the beginning of the movie. I I feel like because they show it more than once because it happens again yeah. later. Um. So I think like for what it was like for the film, it was good. I think the reason why it fails is because in the show, there's a whole episode dedicated to it, and it was such, like, a mind-warping twist, if you didn't know, and yeah. it was like, whoa, <laughs> this thing is happening. Um, but basically, like, what happens as we go on this journey, and Jin meets Kira, who's the only other Gelfling he's ever known, because they are all dead. Um, they travel um, to the castle. They have to battle the Skeksis. The Skeksis literally drain life force um, in order to keep themselves alive, which they're having a hard time doing because the best source of it was from the Gelflings, which is ironic because they killed all of them. Um, but when Jen reunites the shard and the crystal, it joins the Skeksis and the Mystics back together, which is really like an interesting concept. I, I really liked the idea that like you know these it's like this race of beings that like in their arrogance or something, like when the first conjunction happened, were split apart. And it really was like the two different sides of themselves like yeah. living apart. Well like what do you think happened? Like we're talking Star Wars like before the High Republic. Like before there were Jedi, were there just force users and then some some at some point they split off into two belief systems of like the light and dark that's literally what this is yeah because they they make a point in the higher public books to talk about like you know the force isn't like there's not like two things of the force it's just the force and when you start to see it as like two different sides that's where things can get a little tricky. And you definitely have, like, the dark side with the Skeksis and the light side with the Mystics. And, you know, the Mystics aren't... Like, they're light and they're good, but they're not doing anything. Like, they're very slow mm-hmm. and they they keep to themselves. And, like, they're, you know, they're very, like, wise wizards, but they don't really help or do much. Um, when it comes to, mm-hmm. like, helping Thraw. They're so passive. Yeah, they're very passive. Um, like, they know what's going on. Because, like, they make this journey to the Skeksis because they know that, like, they're going to be reunited. And, like, they know that the Skeksis have, like, ravaged this planet. They know that the Skeksis are responsible for this mass genocide of an entire race off this planet. But they're just kind of chilling. They're just kind of hanging out. Um, which does, I mean, it does kind of remind me of the Jedi in a way. Um, so we talked about, um, 
you know, very farm boy Luke. Um, but when our boy Ren finally meets another Gelfling, um, it gets very Raylo. Because what can de- Gelflings do, Alex? They dream fast. Yes. Hands are a language. Skytalker. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the dream fasting. Obviously, it doesn't play a very big role in this movie. But when Gelflings touch hands, they can, like, share dreams and memories, which just, like, wow. The tropes. (laughs) The tropes. They write themselves. But I did think it was interesting that, like, Jen was raised by these mystics, and then he meets Kira, who was raised by these podlings. And she's very much, like, in touch with nature and the land, and she can talk to a lot of these beasts as they come in. And I like that that kind of aided to her agency um in a very prince leia way yeah like it wasn't just that oh she's caring and passive like no like she's caring and loves animals and like she uses that to her advantage in the end Mm -hmm. okay let's talk about the ending like because we're kind of talking about the story here but i i want to talk about what happens to kira in the end yeah okay because you you had this like big 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 brain (laughs) this was gonna be episode nine yeah like when i watched this before episode nine like in the year of what year was it 2018 2019 2019 yeah there's like a whole scene where where kira dies out of like love basically jen's able to to heal her which like happens in the rise of skywalker but like my god i just don't want to salt about the rise of skywalker but it's like why couldn't we get a happy ending like like love conquers all don't you know this jj like here's the thing um so like jen and kira behave very heroically um, very courageously when they enter this this castle. Like, it, it's a very typical, like, hero's mm-hmm. journey, like, descent into this this scary castle. Um, and at the end, when they, they reunite the crystal, um, Kira dies. So Kira um, threw the shard to Jen. Um, she's fatally stabbed. And um, enraged, Jen inserts the shard into the crystal, fulfilling the prophecy we bring the Skeksis and the Mystics back together. And it says that um, the Ursecs, which is them as they come together, revive Kira in gratitude for her sacrifice and Jen's courage. Like, they saw, like, what had been done and, like, knew that she deserved to live and they revived her. And, like... The ancient Jedi should have done that. Yeah, I really thought that was going to happen in The Rise of Skywalker. I was... I I legitimately can't believe that, like, the creators of the final Star Wars saga movie didn't have a happy, like, they didn't write a happy ending for the movie. I, like, can't believe, like, you can be so cynical yeah. to do that. And the fact that, like, not only does our last, so, like, our last Skywalker dies and Rey is left alone, but then it ends with her alone on a dead planet. Like, here, yeah. like, Thra is rejuvenated and, like, comes alive again. And, like, yeah, you know, Jin and Kira are the last Gelflings, but, like, they have each other still. And it just, like, it's a very hopeful ending. And I just don't understand why Star Wars, which is has its roots in this kind of media, 
just doesn't, they didn't go that direction at all. There are some other interesting things in this movie. Um, a lot of it, I feel like, comes from watching the show, though, and that is my deep dislike of For Chamberlain. Chamberlain. <laughs> He's one of the Skeksis, and he just him. says, mm, a lot, mm. and you hate him. I, listen, yeah. okay. Like, I don't like puppets, like, at all. <laughs> um... And it's funny because I, my mom and I have been watching this documentary series on Amazon Prime, and one of the episodes was about creepy dolls and, like, this doll that to this day is still in a museum, and if you take its picture without its permission, it puts a curse on you. Like, literally. Oh. Is that a Renesmee? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's Robert the Doll. <laughs> Oh, okay. Because, like, the Renesmee doll is in a museum, too, in the Twilight Museum. And they think she's cursed, yeah. And they think she's cursed because sometimes she'll, like, fall over. (laughs) No, apparently... So, like, this doll... um, This is from... It was a podcast first, but we're watching this show called Lore. And one of the episodes was about this... was about Robert the doll. He is in a museum. You can see him. I think it's in Florida. But there are millions of letters up on the wall... um, retelling like i'm sorry i took your picture without your permission like my i got into a car accident and like my girlfriend left me and like my house caught on fire like all this stuff happening because they took this doll's picture and like listen oh i don't God. i don't trust it i don't trust um <laughs> I, no i don't trust dolls <laughs> but watching uh, the dark crystal like it's it's fine we're fine but when it comes to chamberlain no, we are not fine. <laughs> the Skeksis are just, like... They're really gross. Yeah, they have, like, hair on, like, their head, and it's all, like, gross. <laughs> they, um, <laughs> it's described that their, um, their design came from, like, a, like, it, they're very reptilian. Um, they're a little I bit, like, dragon. Yeah. I think that their reptilian design is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that. It is cool. I I think that when they wanted to create, like, a villainous creature, I really think they nailed it. Um, Mm -hmm. They wanted, like, a very piercing gaze, all that kind of stuff. And, like, that's all fine. But it's just the fact that Chamberlain makes that stupid noise. (laughs) I don't like it. And, like, okay... So like he's the so emperor, smug. Oh, just like the emperor dies, and he's like, "I'm gonna be the new emperor," and like the other guys, like, "No, I'm gonna be the new emperor," and they fight each other for it. And Chamberlain loses, and what do they do? They rip all his clothes off, and then throw yeah. him out of the castle. That was a weird yeah. choice. That was a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Henson. Can you explain that one? He was trying to scare the children. A good scaring is good for you, Shannon. It's good for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not healthy if I'm not scared. Listen, I like horror, but, like, why did I need to see Chamberlain's naked body? (laughs) Why did I need to see Jen's naked body? Oh, my God, Jen's naked. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. I, like, and I didn't notice, I guess, the first time I watched, so this time that I, I started watching it, I texted you, I'm like, Jen's naked at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, just a naked puppet body. <laughs> <laughs> like, completely naked. Yeah. Like, like actually, he's just sitting by, like, the stream. Yeah. Just, like, playing his little flute. Naked. <laughs> naked. <laughs> Listen, 
he was raised by like hippie monks, so yeah. But like he's a puppet. But he's naked. <laughs> what is the reason? <laughs> I don't understand the reason. Um, but that does kind of remind me. There are only two women in this movie, unless some of the Skeksis are women. Oh, gra- well, I mean, in the they TV are in the show. show. Yeah, like Aquafina voices one of them. Yeah. So you're talking about Agra and Kira or the yeah. two women. And They're I the mean, two like, women. there's background podlings, obviously. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, very um, maiden and crone, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. Kira is very much the maiden. Um, I think it's implied by the ending that she is now the mother because she'll be the mother of all the new Gelflings. Um, and then we have Agra, who is the crone. And Agra is a cool character. She's very much like a, like an all-seeing, all-knower. Um, mm-hmm. I like how she's just very, like, <laughs> she's a crotchety old lady. Yeah. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I, like, here's the thing, though, like, is she, like, is she the mother? Like, yeah, but I also don't think that the Gelfling are all dead. Really? What do you, th- what do you think happened to them? I... Like, I, I refuse to believe that my favorite characters from the TV show died. Listen, I'm I like, that's refuse. something we'll talk about. Like, <laughs> that's what's so weird because, you know, they, they can't, like, we had the show. It's a prequel show, so there are lots of Gelflings around. So obviously, you know that at some point, all of the Gelflings are going to die. Um, or something but going to happen to them. Something. I think I I think some of them survived. I'm kind of surprised that when the crystal was restored, it didn't restore the Gelfling. Yeah. Because a lot of the Gelfling died because the Skeksi were using the crystal to drain their essence. Yeah. That's what was keeping them alive. But like how much of that backstory was established? I don't think probably not much. Yeah. So then, so then that that like logic probably doesn't work because it wasn't necessarily like set up to have a prequel series. You can say that about A New Hope as well. Was all of this yeah. background conceived? No, Luke's gonna kiss his sister. You know? <laughs> um. There are a lot of novels when it comes to Dark Crystal. Um, there is yeah, like, they're good. Yeah, you, you've read some of the YA mm-hmm. ones. There's some I, I think old I've ones read three too. Of them. Yeah, I've read um, three of the YA ones that started coming out in 2016, which was even before the show called Greenland, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all fit with the show. That's something um, that I found. Like Jim Henson, like there's a novelization or like a novel that came out with the movie. And back during this time, those novelizations were normally, like, advertisements, kind of, for the Mm -hmm. movie. There wasn't a whole lot different. But, like, he was very adamant, like, this is part of the lore. Like, this is Mm -hmm. part of it. Like, it exists with the movie. And I really like that attitude. Well, the the new new YA books actually follow... Each one of them follows a different secondary character that we see in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very good. Just like the show, very heavy on the world building. Like, And they're easy reads. Like, I would say that they're, like, low YA. But I love them. They were really good. 
Yeah. I mean, it just makes it all the more sad that the show isn't happening. Yeah. But it's good that, like, the story is so there. Oh, it's, like, so fleshed out. It's so clear that, like, the, like, keepers of the Dark Crystal Thraw universe are very, like, story trust. Like, they're Mm -hmm. very, like, protective of it and making sure that everything is right. Yeah. I mean, and that goes back to this movie and, like, Jim Henson, like, wanting things a certain way. And, like, he created this world and he went really in-depth with it and, like, I'm glad that he got to see this story come to life, like, exactly how he wanted it. Like, that's that's really cool. And I'm glad that, like, even now, the people who, as you said, like, the keepers of Dark Crystal lore understand that, too. And, like, they, like, care about it just as much as he did. And that, that makes it, like, really, really fun to watch because you know that there's so much care that went into the story. So I think that is probably going to do it for the Dark Crystal movie. Kind of a quick one, um, but the, it's, like, just a scratch yeah, but in the it was surface. Fun. Yeah, Mm-hmm. And, like, and I think, like, I mean, both of us are obsessed mm-hmm. with the series. And we're going to deep dive into that. I don't know if we'll do that next time or we're going to be doing WandaVision, but we're definitely going to cover the show at yes, some point. Yes, I am so excited to rewatch the show. I haven't watched it at all since we watched it the first yeah, time. Yeah, I haven't rewatched it. I haven't rewatched it. Yeah, I'm it I'm so excited. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I've been thinking about rewatching Bly Manor because I'm always thinking I about I keep Bly thinking Manor. about rewatching Bly Manor too and I'm like <laughs> And I can't do oh it. God. I can't bring myself to do it. Instead I've just watched that thirteen minute fan <laughs> vid with Jamie <laughs> and Danny because it's all I can bring myself to do because, like, their pain is enough to, like, beat me up. And, like, just thinking about the, the way that I would also have to suffer through all the other characters' emotional trauma, too, rewatching this show, Hannah. I don't know if I could do it. Hannah's trauma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes I think about Hannah and, like, her arc in that show, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and, like... Oh, man, like, I think we'll probably get into it in our WandaVision episode, but just, like, the way those both those shows handle it. It's grief. very good. And, Boy. like, we... And, like, again, we'll talk about this, but, like, there is such a need to talk <laughs> about grief. Like, just, like, you know, we're covering these movies from the 80s because we want those happy endings. Like, we want, like, these big stories that they really cared about telling that end in a good way. And just like how we right now really need those happy endings, we really need stories that unpack grief and, like, tell your audience that it is okay. Yeah. Like, it is okay to feel like this. Yeah. And, like, and I find that, like, things like Willow and the Dark Crystal are filling a certain hole that Tross left hollow, but then WandaVision and Bly Manor are also filling a different hole that Tross left hollow. Like, it's both, like that grief hole, like, that there was not enough grief in Tross, and that's why, like, a lot of people are still, like, hanging on to it, and then there wasn't enough happiness, there was enough joy, there wasn't enough, like, mm-hmm. life I Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like, with Willow and with the Dark Crystal, like, the endings are so full of life, like, exactly like you said, like, it, it's just, you know, like, the day, like, the princess was saved, the planet was restored, like, 
you feel so accomplished by the like you feel something and like trust did leave us like really empty like you know this time last year was rough you know going through like what trust did and we were all like as a community dealing with that grief and so to see and like we didn't get to see ray go through that grief so getting to see that grief in Bly Manor, getting to see Wanda, Wanda. it's so important. Mm-hmm. And it, it is so important when you are dealing with something like this to be validated and to be told, like, it's okay. Like, you've been through a lot. Like, it's understandable that this ha- like, you're, you know, going through this and reacting this way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, that's kind of what we're focusing on right now is just, you know, those happy endings getting to see people deal with that grief. And I am glad that we are getting that right now. Did I expect it to come from Marvel? No, I did not. Am I mad about it? Also, no, I'm not. (laughs) So like I said, that's going to do it for this episode covering the Dark Crystal. Next time, um, we are about to kind of kick off talking a little bit more about the Dark Crystal. We'll talk a little bit more about the show, or we might talk about some WandaVision that is still um, kind of up to be decided but we do hope that you tune in with us for that like i said at the top of the show if you want to support us we do have a coffee account we also have a shop with wonderful designs by alex leonis um if you want to keep the conversation going you can pretty much always find us on twitter at lip underscore lightsabers i am at mccarter shannon and alex is at alex leonis and that is everything we got for you today we'll see you guys next time bye bye